stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Hey, everybody. It's Matt. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Growing Greater. Before we get into this really cool story, I want to thank the team at Pico. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia. They have a history of more than 130 years of service across the Greater Philadelphia community. And they have a long-standing commitment and a culture of excellence. At Pico, their team strives to advance smart energy solutions to provide safe, reliable, affordable, and clean energy and energy services for their customers and the communities they serve. You can learn more about Pico at pico.com. Some people, they say ignorance is bliss. But when it comes to our health, not knowing what is wrong, what's causing an illness, well, that can be scary, and it's a terrible feeling. Greater Philadelphia is home to some of the most state-of-the-art medical facilities in the world. People travel here from all corners of the globe to access expert medical care. Researchers, they compete for assignments in Philadelphia to be part of breakthrough discoveries. And those who live in the Philadelphia community, they can take comfort in knowing that access to best-in-class physicians, innovative solutions, and the latest technology, it's all part of their community. This week, we feature a novel startup that's getting ready to really disrupt the traditional medical lab testing space, all in their effort to accelerate access to data that will improve healthcare for patients. It's Group K Diagnostics, and you'll be inspired by founder and CEO Brianna Ronco. She's passionate about learning, and she truly embraced her educational endeavors. She's a proud graduate of the University of Pennsylvania back in 2017, where she earned a degree in bioengineering. At Penn, Brianna came to appreciate the disconnect that exists between when a medical test is actually ordered and when it's completed, distributed, reviewed, communicated, and ultimately acted upon. Here, Brianna describes her revolutionary device. So really simply, think of a pregnancy test. We've all seen one before. Okay. It tests for pregnancy. It's fast. It's easy. Anyone can do it. Okay. When you think of normal blood work, those are not the adjectives you think to describe it. Right. But Group K does that. So we do things like liver and kidney function, your basic blood work that your doctor prescribes. It's so vital for your health in 20 minutes with the same ease of a pregnancy test so that anyone in the doctor's office can do it right away. Gotcha. Okay. So just to be clear, you're not a pregnancy test. Oh, we're not a pregnancy (laughs) test. We'll never develop a pregnancy test on our platform. There are so many of them out there that are great innovations. I have to give a shout out to Leah Diagnostics, who's done some great innovation in the pregnancy test space. Absolutely. Also coming out of Penn. Yeah, also coming out of pen. It's not our thing, though. Our thing is your basic metabolics, infectious diseases. We're even looking if we can, you know, get some diagnostics faster and like bacterial counts for some of the major upcoming infectious diseases out there today. Gotcha. And in a more layperson's term like I am, you're really a diagnostic test of blood to basically check for different kinds of challenges that a person may be experiencing from a health perspective. Sure. So in layman's terms, you all heard about high cholesterol or Mm -hmm. being a pre-diabetic. We check for those things and we do it in 20 minutes when you're sitting in front of the doctor. So you're not waiting anxiously for that call to tell you you're a pre-diabetic. You get the news when you're with your doctor, when you can actually make a plan that makes a difference in your healthcare. Right. Instead of waiting for 
the next appointment or the phone call that you have to return and then it takes another 10 days to get in touch with the person you need to speak with in the medical facility. Or in 30% of cases that never happens and those patients are lost to follow up even when their results are abnormal. Wow, they're lost to follow up because they don't make that connection or it's not a priority for them or they're just not paying attention to their health the way you'd expect variety of reasons. Some of it is a situation of our healthcare today and that it's really hard to get an appointment. If I want to see, I love my primary care doctor, but if I want to see her for a non-urgent sick visit, I have to wait three or four weeks. Right. You know, or some people don't have access to insurance, or if mm-hmm. you live in a rural community in America, you might not have access to healthcare actually. Right. So there's a variety of reasons that contribute to loss of follow-up, but by doing a test while you're in front of the doctor, we can eliminate some of that since it's a one-stop shop, essentially. That really makes sense. And just to step back for a moment, and I think the average person can relate to this, when you go for a doctor's appointment, oftentimes one of the outcomes is your physician would like the patient to get some follow-up tests. 70% of the time. That's right. That's a good number. That's a good fun fact to know that 70% of the time the doctor's recommending and sometimes requiring blood work. Oh, no, that's 70% of decisions that are made in clinic are actually based on blood work. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that's not even like a, we wish we had this. That's like yeah. a, we need this to know that's what right. to do with the patient. Okay. So the patient ends up going to a lab. It could be at a hospital. It could be at any number of facilities that do and specialize in testing blood mm-hmm. and other kinds of fluids to check for different elements that may be present. And then those lab results are then sent to the physician today usually electronically sometimes Uh, yeah sometimes and what you're suggesting with your new approach is that whole process is compressed becomes much more efficient and can actually almost happen in real time when i say real time to your point about 20 minutes or so as you're sitting either in front of the physician the nurse practitioner the physician's assistant Maybe you're transitioning and you step out of the medical facility and you're in the waiting area to go back in once the test results are available. Is that capturing the spirit reasonably well? Kind of. Think of it this way. For so long, every time you go to the doctor's office, even when you're like 60, you're still getting your height taken. Mm -hmm. Your height doesn't change past, you know, 1920, but you're still getting your height taken because it's a vital sign. Well, why isn't our blood work a vital sign? Mm Mm-hmm. And if our test is simple enough, we've designed it so that we're looking to get the approval from the FDA and CMS to be a CLIA wave test, meaning that a medical assistant, anyone with very limited basic training can perform our test. Then those same LPNs and MAs who are taking our height and weight can prick our finger and get that blood work results. So when you're sitting in the waiting room waiting 10, 15 minutes for that physician to actually come in and see you, Mm -hmm. your results are cooked up. So when the doctor walks in your door, so do your results. Makes sense. So that they're having a complete picture when they look at you, and it's just adding on another vital sign. Right. That makes really good sense. And I like the way you described it is you get the blood work just as you're walking into your medical appointment with your physician, and all the information's right there in front of them. Exactly. This is the age of data and data manipulation. And what we saw from the Multinostic, our platform, is that not only are we focusing on how this data caters to the individual patient, Mm -hmm. But how can that data as a whole change research when we anonymize that data and we see it over time and in large quantities and it's truly, truly done electronically with the EMR, the electronic medical record system? Yep. How can we take that data to then even give more improvements in healthcare? Look for trends, look for epidemics, look for ways to improve healthcare today. That makes sense. And Brianna, one of my favorite questions to ask folks who appear with us on Growing Greater is to dive in a little bit, peel back the curtain when it comes to the name of your organization, because it is a little bit unique. Sometimes it's intuitive, but if you could help us understand and appreciate the spirit behind Group K. 
Yeah, so when I started the company, I was still a senior at Penn. Mm-hmm. And the kind of capstone, lovely project that we do at the end of our year is called Senior Design. Okay. And there are multiple groups, and my group letter was K. Okay. And we were given $600 to form a diagnostic. And with $600, you can buy about two or three antibodies. That's it. So I had to go out and get grants. And Penn has really taken a lot of steps towards providing innovative resources to fledgling companies coming out of Penn. Mm-hmm. So I received a few grants from Penn Entrepreneurship, and I needed to put the money somewhere that didn't affect my personal taxes. So I had to open up a company bank account. Gotcha. Well, to open up a company bank account, you've better formed an LLC. Right. So I was sitting there writing up the papers, and I was like, well, we'll just call it Group K. For me, it was initially a research project that I was going to publish. I never intended to start, you know, a multi-million dollar company that we have today. Right. So I, you know, put down Group K. I tacked on diagnostics at the end because, mm-hmm. well, they had to know what we were doing. Right. And we initially intended to rebrand after our accelerator phase. But the press picked up on it. People liked the name and I grew attached to it and we kept it. And it stuck. It did stick. Yeah, People I think it's that. for potassium. Oh, well, I guess if you're thinking through that lens, that would make sense. Right. Well, I mean, we do yeah. have a potassium test coming out this year. Right. But. <laughs> right. But that's not the, the secret <laughs> ingredient to the name. It's not. Yeah. Interesting. And it makes sense because you're like, uh, I'll call it this for now. For now. And then for yeah. now became forever. Yeah, that's right. That's really interesting. So take us back because, you know, you were referencing your capstone at Penn. And I hope you don't mind. What people should appreciate is that Brianna's capstone at Penn was just about, what, four years ago? Five years, years ago? ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. I graduated class of 2017. So I hope you don't mind me pointing out, Brianna, you are one of the youngest entrepreneurs that we've had on Growing Greater, and we've done over 100 interviews. So congratulations on being able to not only come up with this concept, but to actually bring it to life and to move it forward, because you're initial product, if I can call it that, is now in front of the FDA for review and approval. When does that happen and what kind of trigger will that milestone mean for you? Yeah, thank you. So in terms of the FDA, there is about anywhere from 90 to 120 days till we get feedback from them. It's Mm -hmm. honestly a very pleasant interactive experience so far. I've got a great rapport with our reviewer. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, fun to chat with them and to have a new product in front of them they really haven't seen before. Once that approval hits, it's a huge milestone in patient care because that marks the day that we can publicly sell and publicly use our device in clinics and actually start changing patient healthcare for real. Obviously, on the business side, that's a, an exponential vote of confidence from you know one of the harshest regulatory bodies in the world. Gotcha. And let me just do a sidebar here and say, I'm really glad to hear that your interaction with the FDA is pleasant. I actually wouldn't expect anything else, to be frank with you. I know regulatory bodies in general sometimes get kind of cloaked with a negative aura, but I also know that the FDA in particular, they're really a partner. And they're a necessary partner, not just for the developer of a medicine or a device or a diagnostic treatment. They're a partner for the patient and their family to make sure that all of these options that people have to improve their health are safe and effective. That's their purpose. I couldn't second that more. When we first started the company, it was not necessary that we go through FDA approval. It was optional. Mm -hmm. Now it is necessary post-Theranos. But I felt that it was so important to go through the FDA to have somebody who was looking out for the best interests of patients and completely unbiased right. with a lot of training look through it. And I've been on, you know, involved in several other FDA submissions. And in particular, I remember hearing a professor tell a story about an investigative device exemption he got for a pediatric patient. Mm-hmm. And the FDA had that patient's interest 
in the forefront of their mind. Right. And that's what it comes down to today is they're super pleasant. They're fast to work with, honestly. I mean, with the submissions they get, 90 days is not bad. Mm-hmm. And it's really about putting patients first. And that's why that process for us is so important. So we're going to take you down to the Group K Diagnostics offices and labs. But first, I want to let you know about the NBC10 Growing Greater Philadelphia television program. We here at Select Greater Philadelphia are really proud to partner with NBC10 on this great television program where we bring you stories of economic development and business success, innovators and entrepreneurs from all across the 11 counties of Northern Delaware and Southern New Jersey and Southeastern Pennsylvania. You can watch all these episodes at NBCPhiladelphia.com slash news slash growing greater Philadelphia. Now let's get back to the tour of Group K Diagnostics. So what you're in right now is our research lab. This is where we do the majority of our development work. Our preclinical testing gets done in here. So we actually custom designed this lab about six months ago. We moved into this space. So it's set up for diagnostic work. We have a main area with like a super special countertop that we can do like heavy chemical reactions on, then we wet prep. And then all the counters you see along this corner are set up for running preclinicals. So you can just put it on the table and it's narrower so you fit sheets of devices essentially. As Brianna guided us through their lab space, it was clear to see how passionate her team is about their work. They're focused at their desks and you can feel how they care about not only developing this new medical testing tool, but about the people who will benefit from its outcomes, the doctors who provide the care and the patients whose lives can be enhanced thanks to faster access to health data. Brianna, share with us the name of your device and how you came up with it. The name of the device is the Multi-Gnostic. Okay. It used to be called the Multi-Diagnostic because the modular component of each of our devices has multiple areas for different tests. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there are two main packets for our liver function test, even though we do six diagnostic tests. Yeah, okay. So, Multi-Diagnostic, right? And then it was actually one of our lab techs who shortened it to Multi-Gnostic. Okay to make it a little bit more palatable to the tongue. Gotcha. And I'm really glad you explained that because I wasn't sure if I was missing something. You guys made up this word. We did. Okay, cool. We trademarked it too. I love that. I, I really do. I love that. It's creative. It's thoughtful. It's kind of intuitive as well for a technician or a medical professional to kind of relate to what multinostic may or may not mean as they're kind of going through this testing process. So I'm really glad you shared that. I want to shift gears slightly, but not too much. Going back to your capstone, Mm -hmm. are you working independently or are you part of a team at Penn as part of Group K? So normally teams are four people, but I was actually part of a unique two-person team. Okay. Just the way the class size was odd. Yeah. And I had a great senior design partner, but due to family reasons, he decided not to continue any further and he just focused on the coursework and not in the business, you know, going forward. So once that class was over, that capstone was completed, you took the ball and kept moving it down the field and he decided to go on a different journey. Exactly. He is, you know, doing some amazing things in entrepreneurship on his own. Yeah. And it was with his full approval that I took it forward. That's great. Where I'm going with all this is, if you could, take us back to those early days. (laughs) And again, I know there were only a couple years ago, but those early days of how did you think about this as a problem that needed to be solved? And then how did you come up with the solution that you're implementing in order to make this whole process better for the patient and for the physician who's treating that patient? So my research specialty is actually in trauma immunology. Okay. Secondary is microfluidics. So that was my research. And then I was pre-med. I wanted to be a doctor. So I spent about a year and a half working at the LAX clinic with Philly Fight. 
And if you're not familiar with Philly Fight, it's the largest HIV and AIDS advocacy organization in Philadelphia. And the LAX Clinic was first seeing patients who were HIV positive. Okay. And one of the biggest problems we had was, you know, we couldn't do anything without blood work. We weren't able to diagnose or treat. Our hands were tied. Right. And I kept thinking, why couldn't we have something in the clinic that got us blood work fast enough Mm -hmm. that we could treat these patients before they walked out the door? And I looked at my background in microfluidics and I said, well, people have tried doing diagnostics with microfluidics, but there's been a few glitches in it so far. What's the problem? And the problem came down to manufacturing. There was no streamlined, easy process to make manufacturing. For example, I would go to Penn's new NanoFab, beautiful building, so glad they got Windows, but it would take me five hours to make maybe 20 successful devices. Okay, That's not sustainable in the diagnostics world. You'd never be able to make enough money on that. So I took that, combined the two together, realized the need, and then found a way to manufacture these at the rate of hundreds you know, per hour to make it actually a sustainable situation that you could actually produce diagnostics under the reimbursement rate and be able to get them to patients that were needed. And a lot of the specs and a lot of the controls that we put into the device were based on my time both in the clinic and I spent about six months as a research assistant in the OR. Gotcha. And you mentioned manufacturing these couple hundred per hour or so. Where's that happening? In a building right here in Philadelphia? Are you using a contract manufacturing organization? What's the kind of model? So our manufacturing process is proprietary to us. So we do all the manufacturing ourselves. And we've got a great head of manufacturing, some really skilled techs. And it's happening right in Center City. We're really proud that we are a Philadelphia-backed in Mm -hmm. terms of investment. We have Philadelphia partners in which we did our clinical trials with. And we have a Philadelphia manufacturing and lab space, and a lot of our employees are based right here in Center City. That's great. So you graduate Penn, you finish your capstone, you have to create this LLC that you call Group K Diagnostics. Where are you hanging your shingle? Where are you going every morning to go to work? Yeah, so for a while, I and shout out to Seville in the BE Engineering Lab. He told okay. me if I ever got on radio, I better give a shout out to the BE Lab for all the free time I spent there. All right, you got to give him a bigger <laughs> shout out than that then. Yeah, so okay. there's this lab that bioengineering students have access to in the building called Skarkanich. It's a big green building in Penn's Engineering School. And you're allowed to go there as a student to do anything from, I mean, I fixed my necklace when it got broken there, I fixed my computer when it got broken there, and I made the multi-nostic there. Wow. And it's where we hang out with all of our classmates and, you know, do homework, and it's just this great innovation space. And there's been some products that have actually come out of it, you know, particularly recently as Penn's been more focused on innovation. So I kind of was like, yeah, I'm going to publish. I mean, that's what you do as a researcher. You publish every little thing that you do. Right. And I had this, given Penn's IP restrictions at the time, I wasn't able to really reach out to the Penn professors who were experts in my field. I had to reach to other universities. So Dr. Abel up at Harvard in MassGen is a well-known pathologist who specializes in point of care. And I cold called him one day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do you think this will work? And he was like, yeah, it will. And I was like, but I just want to know if it works. It's just an assignment for class. Okay, thanks. Bye. Pretty much. (laughs) And uh, I'm still working with Dr. Abel today. And what he said made me realize that this company needed to keep moving forward. Yep. He said it's ethically irresponsible to have a product that can change the care of patients for the better and to publish it and walk away. Right. You have to do something yeah. with it. you got to take it to the next level. Exactly. And I was like, but I'm a bioengineer. I'm going to go back and work for GSK. I don't know how to do that. I don't know business side of things. And he was like, you'll find a way. And I was like, well, I'll apply to these few grants. I applied to the President's Innovation Prize, a few other things at Penn. I didn't know venture capital really existed until mm-hmm. I got connected a little bit more at Penn, and we ended up doing DreamIt, the mm-hmm. healthcare accelerator based in Philly. Yep. And I set a deadline for myself, August 2017. I was either funded by then or I was going to work for an engineering company because I couldn't 
yeah. live on a salary. Well, zero. you had to put a stake in the ground and say, this is it. Exactly. So, you know, we got to August and it was like a week left. I had two things on the table, a VC who was almost ready to commit and a job offer to work for an engineering firm. Yeah, nice. And it was like August 29th when we got the call, they were going to back us. And then when one VC backs you, they all come and follow in line and we raised our first seed round. Right. Now, did you have any moment of hesitation where you're like, well, I got this other job offer? Never once we got the money. There have been plenty of times as an entrepreneur where you think like, this is so difficult. Like when you're working 16 hour days, six days a week, and Mm -hmm. it's getting exhausting, you think, is this really the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing? But you have to think about why you started it. And for me, it was this one patient that I had at the clinic and we lost her to follow-up care, and it really changed her pregnancy, actually. And for me, it was just going back to that case. And this is why I'm waking up every morning to try and change diagnostics, and it kept me going. And honestly, today, with the team that I have around me, I could not be happier. That's great. And I love that your motivation, even still today, is that one patient who kind of got lost. It is. And it gets you up every morning. That's it really certainly cool. does. It's, yeah. You have to bring it down to humanity. Right. And what are you doing to help those around you? Right. So were you getting up every morning and going to 3401? Is that where Dream It was and is at the time? Yeah, I was right. going to 3401 for a while. Then our lab was at 3624, the old science center building, mm-hmm. for a little bit. Then we outgrew the Dream It, obviously. We moved to um, make offices. Yep. Great space. We outgrew them. From there, we moved everything combined to 3025 market we were there for it was just temporary for us and we were outfitting a larger space mm-hmm. and now we're you know living in a 3000 square foot space in center city 10th and chestnut right outside jefferson mm-hmm. custom made lab custom made manufacturing space and a huge office that is just big enough for all of us that's great and how big is all of us by the way how big's the team here in Philly is 10 and growing, mm-hmm. and then we have a satellite office for our software development team in Pune, India. Oh, interesting. And that is also 10 and growing. Interesting. So let me dive into that just for a moment. How did you end up navigating your way to India? Is there a mentor that's helping you there? Is there someone in the industry who said, hey, we got this great partner, and you may be interested in connecting with that shop as well? It's a funny story. So actually, all of our employees in India are direct employees of the company beyond Mm -hmm. a freelancer every once in a while who comes in for some specialized stuff. Sure. So I had been trying to hire in Philly, but we need really specific image processing skills, and it was very difficult to find here. So I was going to outsource no matter where I went. And someone had passed along a resume of somebody in India who had exactly the skills that I was looking for. So we went ahead and hired him. We still had a dev team here in Philly. But gradually, they all transitioned. They either outgrew the company or they moved, just a variety of things. And, you know, we had two people in IST time zone at that point, and mm-hmm. then it was easier to add on another person in the same time zone. Mm-hmm. So we weren't working nights and days and right. odd combinations. And then, you know, once things got big here, I love my team lead. He's amazing over there, has a real knack for managing the software growth and building the projects out and looking for new features. And he built a great team. Brianna, you are a really impressive young lady, and I'd love to ask, and you referenced a couple different colleagues that you've interfaced with, are there mentors in your world that have really been there for you to help shape not only the medical research part of this, but the business aspect of it? Because you referenced, you know, I'm not really experienced doing uh, business. I'm thinking more about the biomedical engineering side of this. 
How has this ecosystem in greater Philadelphia startup community been there for you to help you get from point A to point B and beyond? The startup ecosystem here in Philadelphia is growing and it can't be stopped. The amount of growth we've seen in all industries, in particular biotech, has been so influential in the last few years. I mean, look at the co-working space boom that we've had here. People have to be in those seats, right? Right. So yeah, I've been really blessed to have a lot of them as my mentors. You know, a strong advisory board we had from day one to give, you know, feedback and to really shape a lot of those things to give me good books to read, good resources to go to. And even just peer-to-peer networking, which is, I think, something that people often miss in terms of mentorship, but finding somebody who's one step ahead of you. I got involved in PSL, Philadelphia Startup Leaders. Sure. That was a community I could call home and could get to know people. They have a CEO happy hour I used to go to, to, you know, meet other, you know, CEOs and startup founders. And then I'm really, you know, pleased to be on the board of that organization now and giving back what they gave me when I started out. Just tons of resources and how-tos to people like Dr. Babin at Penn, mm-hmm. who teaches engineering entrepreneurship, who sent me over my very first Excel sheet on how to do financials. So big shout out to him teaching me how to do that. That's great. And speaking of financials, you referenced, you know, this is a for-profit revenue generating business. Share with us a little bit more about that from a layman's perspective. How do you generate revenue or how will you generate revenue when you get, you know, appropriate approvals and this product is on the market? Sure. So we're still pre-revenue since we haven't gotten that FDA approval yet. Mm -hmm. But kind of the way that it works for diagnostics is your doctor prescribes you a test that you need to order and the insurance company or Medicare or Medicaid will reimburse you up to a certain amount. So with our manufacturing process and our procedures, we were able to reduce our costs that we sell our product for slightly below the reimbursement rate. Gotcha. That gives a little bit of wiggle room for physician practices and doctors to be able to take that wiggle room and pay their medical assistant a little bit more to do that procedure or, you know, keep their clinic hours open longer. There's also a lot of intrinsic benefits. Doctors don't have to spend two hours at the end of their day calling patients back to get results. Mm-hmm. You're not, if you're in value-based care, you're not losing your patients back to follow up and right. having lower scores. There's a lot of different ways that you can build revenue, particularly with our data analytics software and analyzing anonymized patient data to figure out how your hospital is doing overall. Is Are you meeting different you know, goals that Medicare and Medicaid set for you to perform to a certain level? Right. So one of the challenges that I anticipate that I know you and your team are also anticipating, marketing. Once you hit that milestone moment of approval, how do you best communicate this to physicians' practices in order to help them understand that there's actually a better way to get lab results and a more efficient way that will have lots of different benefits as you just described. What's the best kind of strategy that your team's thinking about as you prepare for this potential FDA approval? That's the thing we're thinking a lot about right now is, mm-hmm. you know, we are looking forward to that approval very much. And one of the ways to do it is through publishing in clinical journals. So with our partners at Penn who ran our clinical trial, We're working with them to, you know, write publications and seek out journals that will accept our work, Mm -hmm. be peer-reviewed, and say, this is why we're better. And once we get that approval, we'll look into operational studies where basically you send a group of patients who want to follow the traditional method and walk down to the lab. And then a group of patients who have access to the multi-gnostic and say, hey, which do you guys like better? And who's getting better care? And who's getting faster results? Right. That makes sense. And Numbers are convincing to doctors. They are, uh, data. It's all about data, right? It is. Yeah. And I think that's a really smart way to go in terms of publishing, because that's where physicians are getting their information. It's generally not a slick marketing campaign. It's the data, the peer-reviewed journal. Hey, this works. 
let's try it. And to your point a moment ago, there's a ripple effect of benefits that go beyond just getting this information in a more timely manner. Exactly. And the kind of the way it works is once one doctor signs on to use it, they know three others from their residency totally. and they tell them and yep. kind of goes through the grapevine. It's really yeah. cool to watch. Yeah. And then you got a whole new generation of medical professionals who are coming up as well, who this will become part of their routine potentially as the regulatory approval potentially moves forward. And speaking of regulatory approval in the U.S., I suspect there are plans for going beyond regulatory approval by a U.S. regulatory authority, correct? There is. So I always said that we would go through the FDA first since the FDA is known to be the most rigorous and Mm -hmm. then we would just backfill into the EU, Mm -hmm. the CFDA in China, various other smaller regulatory bodies. But in the developing world, often a stamp from the FDA is very good. It's the gold standard. And, you know, in helping the countries who need it the most, we wanted to go to that level of rigor. Yep. So Brianna Ronco, president, founder, Group K Diagnostics. Here's the tough question for you, Brianna. Where is Group K Diagnostics going to be in a year from now, in three years from now, in five years from now? I see our team expanding. I see our list of diagnostics expanding, and I see ourselves in patient clinics. I mean, we're looking at in the next six months probably being in patient clinics. And I see that, you know, in years from now, we're actually making a solid impact in the health of patients around us. The work that Brianna and her team are doing is incredible. And as their regulatory milestones are achieved, we at Growing Greater look forward to seeing how this revolutionary entrepreneurial story unfolds. You can hear other stories of growth and economic development by tuning into other Growing Greater podcasts anytime, wherever you get your podcast, or at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.